All right, well, welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. I want to apologize for the last one. I believe that there were some big audio issues about seven to eight minutes in. My mic was damaged. I, I have a different mic. I actually like it better. There's no settings, so works better for my smaller level of IQ that I'm able to do it and not mess it up. But it was a big week for Texas Tech, and it started with the MLB draft. No current Texas Tech players go in the first 10 rounds. Brandon Beckel took forever to come off the board, and it is possible he returns to campus. It's very likely Miles Naylor is the only freshman who's not actually going to be at Texas Tech next year, which for a top 15 recruiting class to only lose one guy to the draft is quite amazing. We'll take a look at baseball, but it was also Big 12 Media Days. I'm recording this on Thursday. Three very interesting Joey McGuire quotes getting under some people's skin. We'll talk about all that coming up. All right, so Joey McGuire obviously was going to be one of the more interesting coaches at Big 12 Media Days. A lot of options on where to start with, but three quotes in particular stuck out to me. And yet you just knew this question was going to come, and you knew it was going to come from a reporter from the Austin area. It was Kirk Bowles who I believe somebody on the first day of Media Days, Wednesday, said, well, you've been covering the Big 12 for 100 years now. Or not the Big 12, but college football for 100 years now. He asked about his post-Texas victory statement of, quote, everything runs through Lubbock. This is what he said. Some things are just for the locker room. Some things are for the public. That might have been for the locker room, but there's nothing that comes out of my mouth that I don't believe. And to play devil's advocate, or, not devil's advocate, but his advocate here. The two teams that played in the Big 12 championship game did not play in Lubbock last year. Now, we lost to both of them, but they didn't play in Lubbock. They didn't have to play in Lubbock last year. Both are coming here this year. And if Texas had won in Lubbock, they would have been in the Big 12 championship game over Kansas State. So you did see in hindsight, and now it was early in the season, but in hindsight, you did see a Big 12 championship bid get spoiled in Lubbock last year. And Stillwater, but I don't think that program's on the right track, to be fair. Now, getting into offense and defense, talking about the quarterback room, Joey McGuire said that he believes they have one of, if not the best quarterback room in the country. And now, or not only the conference, but in the country, and now, there are some people, and I will say, I, I've seen a lot of Texas fans, and it has been quite entertaining, uh, the levels that they're going to on this, that they are so mad about a Texas Tech coach having belief in his players. And I will say, one through three, one through three, I think that Texas may have the edge in the quarterback room because of Malik Murphy. But does anybody think that Malik Murphy would be higher on the list to start for Texas than Arch Manning? Do, do people believe that? Or at least the way their fans are calling it? I don't think so. And now, it's more casual fans, but I know a lot of them actually think Arch Manning's going to start this year, which is not happening. But if you look one, one and two, let's just compare Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning against Baron Morton and Tyler Shuck. Tyler Shuck, and this is a bit misleading, but he is 8-0 in games that he started and finished. And it's a bit misleading because we would have got smacked in Austin either way, whether he got injured or not in 2021. But, and he did have a bad game against Stephen F. Austin that counted as a win. 
But if you watch the last four games with him last year and throw TCU out, he was horrible against TCU at the end. He made one nice throw, but other than that, he had a bad game. He won a high-scoring game with Kansas, went to Ames, and won a game against possibly the best, one of the best Big 12 defenses there was last year, threw a late drive in the fourth quarter. He won a game down 21-3 against Oklahoma, and then he went and ran all over Ole Miss. Arch Manning, by the way, has not proven anything at Texas. He was playing against kids in Louisiana, and I'm sure the talent's there. I'm sure he'll have a good college career, but that kid is nowhere near ready for it this year. On the Barry Morton Quinn Ewers one, I know a lot of people got very excited about Quinn Ewers, and I think he's going to have a better season this season than he did last season. I think that he'll be a good quarterback this year. But everybody got excited about his plays against Alabama. If you were to go back and watch the Alabama-Texas first quarter and pick out his best throws from there, would they even make a top five highlight reel? With Baron Morton's best throws against Oklahoma State, I really don't know about that. I really think Baron Morton has a bit more mobility than Quinn Ewers and has more arm talent than him. So it is not at all unfair to say that you have one of the best quarterback rooms in the nation, especially one of the best, if not the best, in the Big 12. Texas and Texas Tech would be 1-2 in that category, and you can easily give Texas Tech the edge there. And I would expect for a coach that's that close to say, yeah, I think my guys have the edge. Especially if you believe in your offensive coordinator. And another thing, Houston, also they were at Media Days, and Holgrimson, I'm bad at saying some words, his last name is one word that I will just butcher no matter what. Somebody can teach me how to say it a thousand times, I'll probably butcher it. Dana said that Donovan Smith has the edge. The third best quarterback from Texas Tech's QB room last year has the edge in a quarterback competition at another Power 5 Big 12 school that is going to have a good shot to make a bowl game. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, this is one that got some people <laughs> got some people a bit annoyed. He said, quote, we lost Tyree Wilson. Don't throw anything at me, but I think our D-line room is better, end quote. And I 100% agree. You got Hutchings and Bradford back. Those are huge, uh, hu- two huge guys to keep. One of those guys is going to be an all-Big 12 first-teamer this year. You also added Steve Linton. You have a lot of depth there. You have guys who stepped up in the last three, four games for you that either they're redshirt freshmen or sophomores this year, and they're going to be contributing a lot more. They have another year in the strength st- program, and you were not really recruiting high schoolers to bring through the ranks until – this past, this the 2021 recruiting class. I'm sorry, 2022, 2022 recruiting class. Through 2021, you really weren't recruiting high schoolers really since Cliff started, especially on the defensive end. And now you got some transfers. Tech, I think it's 100% fair to say that this D-line room as a whole is better. And by the way, he went down injured against Kansas. We still won that game. We won a low scoring game in Ames. And yes, I know Mr. Gambling Man, Mr. Riverboat, um, Hunter Deckers over there was the quarterback, but that was still a big win where the defense played very well against OU. You got the win. They came up big in that overtime. They came up big after getting behind. 
They had a, several huge stops. Against Ole Miss, they dominated that offense. Ole Miss really didn't move the ball until the game was out of reach. I, I think it is 100% fair to say that this D-line room this year, as a whole, not, not individual talent, you're, you're not going to get a guy to go top 10 in all likelihood, but as a whole, is better than the D-line room was last season. And just going back to the quarterback comparison, by the way, the QB room, and I like Jake Strong. I'm not sure how much we'll see of him because he's going to be sandwiched in between Bear Morton and Will Hammond. But he certainly has enough talent to be a starter at Texas Tech and be a really, really good one. But how many other schools have a fourth string that have started and beat Florida in Gainesville? And yes, I know that's Will Burns and that was a baseball game. But still, started. he's an athlete back there. Hope we don't see him on the football field this year. But he's an athlete. Now, since I haven't really talked about this about this that much, the Big 12 football media preseason poll came out. Um, there were really only one or two things I thought was a little bit surprising. Uh, from bottom to top, 14 West Virginia, 13 Cincinnati, 12 Houston. All three of those, I think, are clearly the bottom three. BYU in at 11. Iowa State at 10. I'd probably move Iowa State a bit lower since it's we really don't know what their QB room is going to look like. Nine is Kansas. Eight is UCF. Seven, Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's a bit high. Six, Baylor, which I said I thought they were clearly the sixth best team. Five, TCU. Four, Texas Tech. Three, Oklahoma. Two, Kansas State. One, Texas. And I saw some things about people disagreeing with how low TCU is or disagreeing with Texas being number one. I will say this. I do not think it's completely unfair for a team that finished third last year to be put first, especially when the top two lost a lot. Kansas State lost their running back and the defensive player of the year. TCU lost a whole lot, and now they brought in a lot of good pieces pieces in the transfer portal, but they lost a lot. TCU fans are kind of complaining that they're fifth. Now, let me just go through the top five here. Texas finished third, brought a lot back, really good to get across the line of scrimmage. Fair to have Texas above them. Kansas State lost the defensive player of the year, but they have a really good quarterback who proved a lot last year, really young, looked really good in the Big 12 championship game. I know we said that before about Blake Shapin. But I think that Will Howard is different than Blake Shapin. For Texas Tech, finished fourth last year in a season where they had to start four different quarterbacks, or three different quarterbacks, at least four games apiece. And they're returning a lot. Or Oklahoma, who finished six and seven last year, will have the same quarterback, has a coach that has not won as a head coach, and has not proven that he can win as a head coach, that tried to get Jerram Bradley, couldn't get him, that had to poach Reggie Pearson, who left because Tyler Owens was going to start over him at Texas Tech. If there is anybody that TCU should have a complaint about, or anybody in this poll that people think are put too high up there, it's certainly Oklahoma. Them being at three is more about the name and what they think their talent is going to be and not about what they're actually going to put on the football field and what they're actually going to scheme up because their coaches have not proven that they can win. 
They still had one of the two most talented teams in the league last year and had a losing record in both Big 12 play and in an overall record, despite a very easy strength of schedule in the non-con. Now, moving on to baseball, and baseball needs some good news after Mason Molina left, and there is no real reason to believe that Mason Molina will be back at Texas Tech. I don't think that's really a possibility anymore. I know they probably were trying to get him back. There's different rules (laughs) in some of this, but Texas Tech got a huge boost. Only one player drafted. He was drafted in the first compensatory round. I'm not sure 100% how that all works. He was drafted by the A's. Miles Naylor, one of his older brothers, had committed to A&M, got drafted first round, didn't go to A&M. One of them committed to Texas Tech, drafted first round, didn't go to Texas Tech, both playing with the Guardians now. This team needed a boost. Austin Green also, by the way. And at first, I didn't think that Austin Green was somebody that we had to worry about in the draft not coming back. And then he started to get a lot of buzz. And apparently, well, he went undrafted. Maybe he could have got drafted. Maybe he couldn't have. But he's coming back, which is huge. He's either going to be second base or outfield. He's a guy that can play in outfield. You have space open in outfield now with the departure of Dylan Carter. This is a, and Zach Vuletic and Nolan Hester, obviously, but you have Gage Harrelson, Owen Washburn, you're going to be fine. This is a huge boost for Texas Tech, especially in the fielding department. You've got guys coming in at third base. You have Travis Sanders, who could easily start at third base or middle infield for you. Will Burns, another year of development on the guy. Same with Tracer Lopez. Tracer Lopez, I thought, was really good defense, was pretty good defensively, really good for a freshman defensively. He needs some work at the plate, but that all comes with development. You got Landon Stripling, you got Max Mac Hauer, and I may be butchering that last name, but you got some real guys that could be starter for you. And Mac Hauer's probably gonna be a reliever, which is interesting. But there is a lot to be excited about pitching-wise for Texas Tech especially Brandon Beckel comes back. He got drafted by the Phillies. And funny story about this, I was at the ACU, that doubleheader, and it was the first game, and there was a guy behind us that was sitting there. He, he asked a bit about Gavin Cash, and we asked who he was with, and he said he was with the Phillies. And, of course, the Phillies draft him, and now Brandon Beckel didn't pitch in that game. He was <laughs> The scout was not happy when he didn't see Brandon Beckel come out in the ninth, but we were up by like eight or nine runs, so it makes sense. But there is a real possibility Brandon Beckel comes back. Just taking a look at the starters, you have Trenton Parrish, and you would think that he's back to full health by then. If it was possible that he would come back to the College World Series, and maybe that was just smoke and mirrors that were being tossed up there or something like that, but very likely he'll be healthy next year. You have Jack Washburn, who's going to be healthy, and he had 14 appearances with Ole Miss. The year they won the national title, including nine starts. And now I looked at it, his stuff. He only went five plus innings like three or four times. So I'm not sure if he's going to give you a good depth piece. But you have Zane Petty, who I'm high on. He couldn't get past five innings last year. He normally melted down after his first time through the lineup. He improved with that as the year went on. You have Tabor Fast, Ryan Free, and then you have Kyle Robinson, who's playing with the U.S. Collegiate team right now. There is... 
Kyle Robinson is going to be the starter on Friday nights. I think that one you can write and stop right in there. Now, maybe he switches to Saturday at some point in the year. Maybe it is Saturday instead. We'll see. After that, I think Zane Petty has a really good shot to be in the weekend rotation. I think he has a really good fastball and good slider. He's going to need to work a bit on his third pitch, but I think that Zane Petty has a lot to be excited about. That third slot, just look in and you could see Jacob Rogers, Tabor Fast, or Ryan Free develop and be in that third starting slot easily. But Jack Washburn also, if he can't go deep, what if on Sundays, and you could see Trenton Parrish return to that as well. You could see him move to the bullpen. We'll see what happens with Howard and Belkel. But if, if you link up Jack Washburn, a guy who had a 3.25 ERA or something like that, it may have been lower than that, low three ERAs, he only gets you three innings, and then you have a guy in Jacob Rogers who's going to even develop more that you know can give you three innings, probably allow one run. Maybe you allow three runs between the two of them in six innings. Sometimes. A lot of times it's going to be lower than that. I think those two would make a really good handcuff for a Sunday if you need to go that route. Another route, if this guy comes back, if Brandon Beckel comes back, would it be to start Beckel on Sundays or Fridays or Saturdays? He was very important for you out of the pen. But if Beckel is starting, Parrish can move back to the pen and be a closer. Howard can be a closer. There's a lot that you can do with this, especially with uh, max velocity. He can, he can be a really good closer for you. But Beckel went four innings against West Virginia. Could he give you five innings consistently? Sometimes could he give you six? Would that improve his draft stock if he came back and was a starter? Could he be a top 10 round draft pick? Maybe even higher than that? Probably could be. I think that would be a really good option for Beckel to possibly be a starter. And it's just an option. Maybe he's better out of pin. Maybe where he's going to get drafted the highest is as a closer. But this gives you some options here, especially if Beckel returns. And this team, the, this team could be preseason first in the Big 12 next year. And I know Texas is getting their two stud pitchers back, most likely. But, man, I... I don't, I, it has to be NIL wise. <laughs> Why Mason Molina left. Now I'm thinking out loud here. I don't have any information. I'm just making guesses, but it has to be NIL wise because when you look at up and down this Texas tech roster, it, there's no reason to expect Texas tech to not be competing for the big 12 and to go to Omaha next year. Anything other than hosting a regional, I think would be a disappointing regular season. A very disappointing regular season with how much talent is returning. And I just want to run through the recruiting class for y'all real quick. Um, these could all... Um, I don't have the premium on Perfect Game. This is where I'm getting it from. Just listing them in or order. Miles Naylor, he's the shortstop. He's the guy that's not going to come in. Jeffrey Hauer, Jeffrey Mackhauer, right-handed pitcher, has really good closer stuff. Landon Stripling went undrafted. A lot of people didn't think we were going to get him. He plays middle infield. TJ Pompey, undrafted, plays shortstop. 
Gavin Jones was drafted by the Mets. He's a left-handed pitcher. It's unlikely he signs. I believe once in the Tatlock era, there's been a guy that's picked before round si- after round 16 or later that doesn't sign. Davis Rivers, that is a huge piece at catcher. It gives you a lot of flexibility. Now you have a Juco guy coming in. You have Maxi, who I believe will get better. You have Kevin Bazell there. To add with Davis Rivers, that is going to be very crowded behind the plate. That's why I wasn't really too worried when Hudson White White left. Garrett Bohm, third baseman. Chandler Coe, right-handed pitcher. Cole Case, Carson Preeb, uh, Sterling Bigley, Lane Bledsoe. Um, you have David Ray DeHoyos listed on here. My understanding is that he isn't coming. Jim Long, Garrett Schroeder, Brady Trombello, and then Will Burns is still listed on this class, even though he got here a year early. But in the back half of that class, some of these guys may not make it to campus. The Texas Tech is going to be able to keep a lot more players than they expected this year. That that one thing is for certain. But overall, and I want to end on this, my favorite thing about Big 12 Media Days is... Just seeing how mad some people get about Joey McGuire being excited. I mean, if you look at Texas fans today, they are actually hoping that A&M poaches Joey McGuire. They are rooting for that even though they will have to play A&M and A&M has more resources. They would get out-recruited every single year. And I saw this on one forum and it was just a suggestion. And I actually agree with this one a lot. A&M, if they get rid of Jimbo, they should hire Jeff Trailer. If they hire Jeff Trailer and Texas Tech has Joey McGuire, you could easily see Texas become the third, fourth, maybe fifth most relevant program in the, in the state of Texas very quickly. But that's going to do it for this one. Uh, I appreciate y'all listening. I hope the sound was way better than it was last time. I'm going to keep using this mic as long as it was so that we won't have to go through last week again. But if y'all would like to take some time out, uh, you subscribe, give it five stars. Um, if you send an email to Heartland College Sports with a picture of it, you get a free koozie in the mail. Uh, so go do that if you feel inclined. If you do not like what I said, just send me a mean email or tweet or something like that. I much prefer that. But I appreciate it and wreck them.